Hey everyone, welcome to today's high score on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is an episode for March 10th, 2018. Uh, just to give you some background for those of you who may be new to the show, this is a call-in show where I present topics and then you guys call in and we discuss them. Um, some housekeeping before we get started. Don't prank call, don't bother. Uh, this is not archived on Twitch. It is edited before it's ever archived on Sifted or YouTube. Uh, so don't waste your time. Don't waste our time. A couple things that help a lot. Um, we use Skype, and you can call in using your PC, your phone, your tablet. Anything works. Um, but make sure that you have headphones on when you call in, because otherwise we get a really wicked echo uh, from your mic picking up the audio from the show on the stream. So make sure you turn down the audio coming from the stream. Make sure you have headphones on and everything should be all good. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea of how it works, I'll present a topic. I'll discuss it for a couple minutes and then I will ask you guys to call in. Um, one thing to keep in mind is there is no switchboard. Um, so we can't keep you on hold while we wait for one call to finish and for you to bring you on. So try to follow the conversation. It's pretty easy to tell when things are winding down with a call. Um, a lot of times I'll kind of hint at that while I'm on the call. Um, and once you kind of sense that things are starting to wind down with the call, then you can call in. Our Skype handle is Sifted Games, all one word, S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, it's been a Big, big week uh, for news and video games. Obviously, we didn't stream Game Face yesterday because our TriCaster TD is off in Vegas having a great time. Um, but the show is up and archived on Sifted right now. Uh, and a lot of stuff happened in the last couple days. And we're going to discuss some of that on the show today with you guys. So thank you for jumping on the stream. Uh, thank you for supporting Sifted in whatever way you can. If it's just watching our free streams or whatever, um, we would appreciate it. If you do have a couple extra bucks, buy us a beer. Uh, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted uh, and throw us a dollar, a couple dollars a month. It makes a big difference for us. Another thing to keep in mind is as you're watching the stream right now, it's very easy to give us a free $2.50 uh, just above the player. There's a little green button that uh, will let you subscribe to sifted. Before you do that, you need to link your Twitch Prime and your or your Prime, your Amazon Prime account and your Twitch account. And once you do that, you can give us a free $2.50 every single month. Uh, you do have to do it every time. You can't just set it and forget it. Um, so for those of you who maybe contributed in February, you can do it now again for March. And last month, we got the most we've ever got from Twitch Prime. So it's making a big difference for us, and we'd really appreciate it if you just take a couple minutes to link your accounts and then subscribe to Sifted. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Our first topic today is something that I discussed on our show, Geif. For those of you who don't know Geif, it's an opinion show mixed with random gaming weirdness. Um, in all honesty, I don't think there's any other show online that's quite like it. Lots of opinion shows, but we really mix in some cultural stuff and some weird and wacky Japanese stuff. Lots of indie games that are kind of trying a new approach. Uh, one of the topics I discussed on the most recent Geif was the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X and how I felt that the mid-cycle console upgrades so far have proven to be a massive failure. Um, how I came to that conclusion, and you can watch Geif if you want to, it's up on Sifted. How I came to that conclusion is I just looked at the numbers. Um, to the best of the data that's been supplied by PlayStation, 
and a little bit of deduction and some simple math, I figured out that the PlayStation 4 Pro has sold around 5 to 6 million consoles after being on the market. Sony's gone on record saying that for every 5 PlayStation 4 sold, one of them is a PlayStation 4 Pro. The Xbox One X, you probably remember when it first launched on Amazon, it sold out. Well, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly what that means if you don't know how many units Amazon had. I'm exaggerating here a bit, but Amazon could have had 5,000 units and it sold out in five minutes. That's not a big deal. So without any numbers from Microsoft or Amazon and no context for those numbers, um, it's hard to say if that was really a success or not. But one thing I would say is if Xbox One X was setting the world on fire, you best believe Microsoft would put out some kind of a press release talking about it. It has not done that. So based upon deduction, the information that's out there, it appears that also the Xbox One X is having a tough go of it so far. So my question to you, or I guess my prompt to spur on discussion is, one, do you have a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One X? And if you do, do you like it? If you do not have a PlayStation 4 Pro or an Xbox One X, call in and let us know why you have not bought one, if you think you're going to buy one, what it would take to put you over the top for you to buy one, etc. And then feel free to chime in on if you agree with me or not, if the mid-cycle console upgrades are working or not. So get your calls in right now uh, to at Sifted Games, S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S on Skype, and let us know what you guys think about the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X and its relation to consoles going forward. Okay, we have our first call. Here is Super Cordon Blue. Let's see if he has video. That's always nice. Hey, welcome hey, to how's THS. It how's it going? Going good, man. How's your Saturday? Going pretty good. Pretty yeah. good so far. Yeah. yeah. Playing playing any games today? Um, what was I playing? Um I just bought I just double dipped and got uh Overwatch last week, so I've been playing that. A little bit of Dondara. I don't know if you've played that, the indie game. I have not played that. The, I, I've been playing some Mulaka the last couple of days, and I've enjoyed it, but it's really short. It's like two hours long. It is only 20 bucks, okay. so they kind of price it uh, right or correctly. But, yeah, I have not played Dandara. I've seen a lot of reviews, obviously, going through Sifted. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are really enjoying it. It's really good. I like it a lot. I, I, and then uh, Shovel Knight, I actually slept on that for a while, so I'm... You slept on that for that. a long while. <laughs> I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, mid-cycle console updates. Uh, PlayStation 4 okay. Pro and Xbox One X. What's your What's your take on it? Okay, so I don't own either. Uh, the reason why I don't own... Well, I don't own the Xbox because I have a PC. Uh, so that's kind of why I never got the Xbox. I was thinking about the, the Xbox One, but I'm like, well, I, I play games in 4K on my, on my uh, PC... So I can, you know, I can get Gears of War and everything else. Um, I do own a PlayStation, and I was thinking of going with the Pro, but I'm I'm looking at it. You know, I have to pay four hundred bucks for a new console. What games are actually going to take advantage of it? I mean, you've got um, Horizon, which I own. God of War, I believe, coming up will take advantage. Um, maybe Spider Man. But three, four, maybe five games, I don't know if it's worth it to spend another 400 bucks on the console. Well, I think actually a lot of games do, quote, unquote, take advantage of it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the problem is it's just so subtle that I think the average yeah. eye... Another problem, too, is that a lot of people don't have 4K TVs. Do you have a 4K TV? Mm. I do. Yeah. You do. When did you get your TV? Yeah. I got mine, I want to say, a little over a year ago. 
Okay. It was a um, cheap Vizio. A cheap so Vizio. It was, it <laughs> we have yeah, a cheap Vizio it, in here, actually, sitting right next to you. But I got to tell you, I, I love that that Vizio TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got a 4K TV in here. It's only like 50 inches or whatever, but I think we got it for like yeah. 350 bucks or something like that, which isn't bad. Yeah, it's crazy how, how cheap they're getting now. I mean, you can get them. Someone actually, actually, my Vizio burned out almost a year after I bought it. And then someone bought me a, um, what is it, a Scepter for like 300 bucks. So. Yeah, they're they're pretty cheap. So, do you agree with me that maybe the enhancements aren't that subtle? I mean, you obviously you probably do you surf the internet in 4K. Sometimes I'll look at 4K content on on YouTube or whatnot, maybe Netflix. But yeah, the consoles. I my point of view was the PS4 Pro should have been their original console. It should have been the vanilla console. The Xbox One X probably should have been. I I think it's Maybe just not enough to to get most people to go out and spend an extra four to five hundred bucks. Now, do you have a four K monitor on your PC? No, I actually hook my uh, PC to my four K TV. Okay, so you use your your PC from your couch. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the trick right there, man. I just got the yeah. uh, I got just got the Steam Link, and uh, okay. And I have what I've found is that I end up using the Steam Link more to just stream media from my mm-hmm. PC out to my TV. I've tried to play some games with it, and it's really difficult because of the latency. Um, some okay. some genres work okay. Turn-based RPGs, obviously, it's not a big deal. But if you're trying to play an action game, it's really, really difficult to, uh, to actually play it. And I know Matt mentioned on Game Face, I think, two weeks ago, that he tried to play Batman using it, and he couldn't pull off the counters at all with it. So... Um, wow. Okay. But here's the thing that the Steam Link has given me a taste of playing my PC out in the living room, and it it, yeah. it, it makes me really jealous of you <laughs> because <laughs> you, I'm like, you gotta do it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I live in an apartment, and I'd have to run uh-huh. like an HDMI cable or whatever all the way out of our back bedroom out into our living room. Okay. Um, and it's just yeah. not my wife, honestly, put the kibosh on that. She's like, there's, there's <laughs> no way you're going to have this HDMI cable running out all the way through our apartment. So uh, maybe someday if I ever own a house, I'll have like the whole thing just hardwired right into the house or whatever. Uh, yeah, but for me yeah. right now, it's not really an option, but it does make me jealous when I start thinking about it because there's been a couple games that I have played on my TV through Steam Link. Uh, again, there's mm-hmm. genres that work with it. And it's been great to be able to play games kind of at that high of a fidelity out on my couch yeah. so so i hear you um i can see why if you have a decent pc it would be really hard to rationalize xbox one x particularly with microsoft's recent stance about everything yeah. that's coming out for xbox one x comes to pc as Not well PC. so there's no incentive there um especially for people like you who already have your pc like wired out to your television it just doesn't make sense yeah. right yeah i mean it's it really doesn't it's like you know Especially with if they're pushing 4K and then, you know, most of the stuff seems like it's not native 4K. And and if it is, you're getting at 30 frames. And although my PC doesn't run everything at 4K max with 60 frames, I'm few, usually like few PCs 40-ish. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, I, get, I get pretty high. For, like with um, uh, 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 was Overwatch, I'm running it on Epic at 59 frames. So, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's... I wouldn't go back to sitting at a desk with the PC, not since I have it on my TV. And like I said, yeah, you know, with Microsoft putting everything on Windows, why get an Xbox? I almost got it for the 4K Blu-ray player, 
but for Black Friday, I found one for ninety bucks. Wow, so, you found a good deal, yeah. man. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so right now we're actually showing uh, PlayStation Four Pro B-roll games on running on PlayStation Four Pro, and while you have a four K monitor for your PC. And, and you're because you're using your television. A lot of people don't. My mon, my PC monitor yeah. is 1080p. Uh, my PC is not strong enough to run games in 4K at even a manageable frame rate. Um, so a lot of people are watching promotional marketing materials for PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X on a 1080p monitor. And if you're mm -hmm. watching the stream right now, you're watching it in 720p. So. Yeah. I think it's hard for people to watch the media that's been put out for these consoles and be convinced that it's worth spending, you know, if you if you trade in your old console, then maybe you're only spending a couple hundred bucks. But for a lot of people, it's spending yeah. four or five hundred dollars for that upgrade, and it's kind of hard to see. It is, you know, some, especially if it's just, I mean, I hear some people say they can't even see the difference between 4K and 1080p which well i disagree know, i disagree with that <laughs> yeah i do i do too i mean there's yeah. a big difference i remember the first time i saw um batman was it arkham knight running in 4k and i thought there's a big difference i mean but it's one of those things that you you can't miss something you've never seen so right <laughs> that's a you good know point. i i guess you're, you're not really missing a whole bunch i don't know it's kind of hard it just it depends on what you're looking for i mean if you if people really want 4k in that high uh, fidelity, then just go for a PC. I think you know, and it, because especially if you already have a, a base PS4 and Xbox One, I, I don't think it's worth it. Upgrading. Yeah, but I mean, a PC is a big investment, man. I mean, you're talking about it like is. somebody spending their entire like tax return check on the PC. And I mean, the other angle to that is with PC, obviously, you get a lot more use out of it than just yeah. gaming. You can do a yeah. lot of things with it. But I think a lot of people have just kind of moved on from using PCs for things like that because. Smartphones yeah. are so powerful now and so versatile that I feel like a lot of people just have, they've just got to the point where they're like, I can do everything on my phone. I don't need a desktop anymore. Um, and I feel like it, you know, other than work applications and obviously a lot of offices and companies need to buy a lot of PCs. I think the people at home, the most people who still have PCs are either people who work from home, like I do a lot, or mm. gamers. And I think the, the casual PC market's kind of fallen through the floor over the last four or five years. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed that with myself because I just bought the uh, iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch, uh -huh. and I do all of my art and music from that thing. And the only thing I use my PC for now is gaming and game development. So, yeah, you know, as these mobile devices get more powerful, you know, PCs might get pushed to the wayside. And I wonder if that's those kind of things. And I wonder if that's partially Microsoft's angle with this is that. A lot of people don't use PCs anymore for what they used to use them for. They mostly use them for mm -hmm. gaming. Well, hey, here's a bottom-of-the-barrel 4K P gaming PC for 500 bucks, And I'm just yeah. wondering if that's kind of the angle Microsoft's trying to take. Um, I think that strategy would be a lot more effective if Microsoft were to make a concerted effort to get Steam on Xbox One X or otherwise make it easier to play PC games on Xbox One X that aren't technically coming to, yeah. con to consoles yet? That that might work. I was even thinking, you know, when, when Steam or Valve tried to do the whole Steam box, you know, maybe Microsoft kind of does something like that, you know, gets away from the, the you know, the, the console, manufacturing consoles and just put their, you know, their Xbox Live on PC, you know, the way that Valve does Steam and just yeah. have that as a digital only platform. 
as I, I, I don't know if um, I mean I don't want to say Microsoft will be out of the console race because I don't I don't think so. I mean they, yeah, they I did either. well with the 360, but I mean they clearly have to make some adjustments with their first party lineup and um, the Xbox One X just doesn't seem like the thing that's getting everybody excited. I mean it, it's got to be more than. 4K or 4K, whatever you want to call it. But, 4K. I've yeah, never heard that yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> Love well, it, man. Some of them are that, what, checkerboard 4K? And, yeah. I mean, know, that's, mostly, that's mostly PS4 Pro, though. A lot, of, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. a lot of Xbox One X stuff actually does run in native 4K. There's a little bit of subterfuge going on there, but for the most part, yeah. Xbox One X is powerful enough to, to display the majority of games at uh, native 4K. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no denying Xbox One X is significantly more powerful than PlayStation 4 yeah. Pro. So it sounds like you've written off Xbox One X for the time being. What would it take yeah. for, for PS4 Pro for that to become viable for you as a purchase? I, for PS4 Pro, I need to see more content that really takes advantage of, of that hardware, um, not just texture upgrades. Um, you know, from what I hear, Horizon is one of the best examples of a uh, console's 4K ability. So I need to see more of that. Um, I, you know, again, it's, I, I went to GameStop and t to see how much they would give me for my base PS4 to trade in. It wasn't enough. It was like, I think they said 75 to a hundred bucks. Oh, jeez. So really? Yeah, That's it, it. It, wasn't, it, it wasn't a lot. So I just want to see more because eventually I do want the pro because I want to game in 4k on my PS4, um, Xbox, they would just have to stop putting games on windows right. and then I'd go for an Xbox one X, but. So do you, you think know, at this point you're, you're just going to wait for the inevitable PlayStation 5? Yeah, yeah, most likely. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably so. All right. Well, listen, man, thanks for calling in. That was a great call, very insightful. It was good to get an angle from someone who's a PC gamer and kind of has a really awesome rig that makes them question why they would go for these kind of mid-cycle mid, uh, upgrades for consoles. So have a great Saturday, man. Thanks for calling in Thank to you, THS. You Thank right. you. Take good. care. All right, you do. All right, we got Kirill Nico. What's going on, man? Happy Saturday. Hey, happy Saturday. Uh, sorry about the spat on Twitter. I didn't mean that. <laughs> sorry about that. What spat um, on Twitter? So, uh, about the that we had on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I didn't look at that as a yeah, spat yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. I just looked sorry. at it as I, I two do... people who are really passionate yeah. about games having a discussion about yeah. it. I didn't take any offense at all. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I, you know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Uh, so I'm too uh, old for that crap, 4K, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so in terms of 4K specifically, I think people kind of misunderstanding that 4K on Xbox Four and, and Xbox. Uh, oh, sorry, X, uh, PS4 Pro and Xbox One X is not necessarily 4K per se. It's uh, more of a checkerboarding, uh, meaning you have only partial 4K. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not considering buying either console. I have PS4 Basic Slim model, but not uh, PS4 Pro. And oh, I'm the right thing there with you. That is, <laughs> I also do not have a uh, PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X. Yeah, but the what would have uh, sort of forced me to buy one if they would drop the basic PS4 completely. You mean just get rid and of it focus. so you're forced to buy a Pro? Essentially, yeah. It's the same thing with uh, Nintendo uh, Nintendo 3DS and new Nintendo 3DS, where they basically, like, you cannot play certain uh, games, like, let's say, um, 
like Infinite Gold, for example, is not playable on base model or 2DS Excel or any other versions of that. But it's playable on new 2DS. So you're saying essentially you're going to have to be forced to to move on before yeah. you will. You're not going to just voluntarily do it because you want the product. Yeah, because there is no reason why. Uh, well, here's the thing: in 4K mode or whatever they call it on Xbox One X, uh, it still doesn't perform as good as it should have. It still has you know 30 FPS, sometimes less, 27, 26 FPS in some cases in some games. And it's not that good, in my opinion, because FPS still, at the end of the day, you still have a, you still should have a baseline at least 30 FPS. I agree with that. I mean, look, I played N64 games at sometimes 10 to 15 frames per second, uh, but I think at that point, 3D was so new um, that mm-hmm. it was so glorious, in my opinion, when it first when it first came out with the N64 and PlayStation, that I was willing to overlook a lot of the shortcomings of it. And then, obviously, as you play games for a long time, and as a critic, you really start looking at things like frame rates. I think probably half of my N64 reviews on GameSpot mentions frame rates, at least half, mentions the frame rates of the N64. So (laughs) it became a thing, and now I think we've just kind of settled into this place where if it's lower than 30, it's a problem. And that never used to be the case. Like, even, I would argue, on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, like... If they would, if games on those platforms would dip below 30 down to 25, maybe even 20 sometimes, if the game was good enough, I was willing to overlook it. But as time has gone on, my tolerance for that stuff has just almost shrunk to like zero. I'm not, I'm not a 60 frames per second snob. I don't need to play everything in 60 frames per second. And honestly, we've discussed this on Game Face mm-hmm. before, but I will swap better graphics for 30 frames per second. I know a lot of people won't. In certain genres, I won't. Shooters to me, 60 frames per second is worth the loss and fidelity of the graphics overall. Um, but in general, for action-adventure games like an Uncharted or Last of Us, I'm more than willing to play those games at 30 frames per second to let Naughty Dog do its thing and really wow me. How, what's your perspective on that? Well, I kind of agree in some part, but not others. Uh, here's the thing about N64 and all of the old CRT monitors, you don't really see frame rate and that specific uh, like output, basically, because it's an analogous, basically. Right. But in terms of uh, 60 FPS versus 30, preferably, obviously, higher, but let's say on PS3, you mentioned uh, there is a game called Dragon Guard 3. Amazing game. Unfortunately, it's the same guy that made Nero and Nero Automata. So, unfortunately, game runs on Unreal Engine 3, and it's PS3 exclusive. So, it's about 12 frames per second. Amazing game, ruined by 12 frames per second. So, uh, and the thing is, if they would have released that game on other platforms, then that would be forced me to buy other platforms. Like, what happened with, let's say, Bayonetta uh, Bayonetta 1, which is... Ho- horrible on PS3. Yeah, it does not run. And a lot of third-party games six, on PS3 yeah. did not run well. That's pretty yeah. typical. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, but I only had PS3, unfortunately, uh, before the Xbox 360 purchase. But the thing is, uh, specifically for the, the latter part, which you mentioned about uh, frame rate in the specific genres, Yeah, I think, like, uh, look at Call of Duty. Single player, I believe, France has 30, but multiplayer, 60. Right. Battlefield, the same way. Uh, a lot of games like uh, uh, Bloodborne, for example, which is, you know, 
I don't like the game, but okay, whatever. Oh, we're, kind- we're kindred spirits on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a horrible game. It's not like, you know, the worst game ever, but, you know, it's slightly uh, unfair, shall we say. Yeah. In some cases. I think it's but mean. The thing is, I think it's the word I use. <laughs> it's mean to the player. Uh, well, no, it just uh, has a bad system movement, basically. It's too slow. So, but the thing is, it still runs its pretty frames per second. And Xbox uh, PS4 Pro version still runs at the same frame rate, but it's solid. So as long as they will give me, like, let's say PS4, PS5, as long as they will give me 30 frames per second as a baseline and some great fidelity, like Uncharted uh, 3 or 2 or any other games in the the, uh, franchise, those run at 30 frames per second. Yep. No lowering down, nothing. And yep. it looks amazing. Yeah, they're just rock solid. We dirty. need more of that. Yeah. They Well, F, uh, multiplayer runs at 60 or 45 or something like that. But this is exactly what we need. So 4K by itself, I don't think consoles are going to be ready for this generation, the mid-cycle, and maybe next generation as well. Uh, so we need something else. We need more fidelity. We need... They should advertise 60 FPS, you know, 1080p, uh, 1440p, something like that, as opposed to just focus on 4K as a magical word, basically. So what do you think the answer is hardware-wise when we're talking about consoles? I mean, it sounds like you're going to wait for Xbox 2 or PlayStation 5 if you even buy Mm -hmm. those. But what do you think you need to see in those consoles to convince you to take the plunge? Um... For PS4, uh, PS5? Yeah, or, or like Xbox that? 2. Well, yeah. um, well, first of all, better online infrastructure because it's still buggy, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but, I mean, uh, you need more options. Like uh, PS3, for example, had a printer, right? Printer applications. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, get that stuff in. You see, so you're saying make them more like, like a PC, like we were discussing with the prior call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well... But so they have they more functionality than just playing so. games. Yeah, well, at least Sony could have chimed in and add uh, CD playing support, for example, or DVD or Bl- Blu-ray playing support, which they're you know they don't have it now, at least. Right. Um, or they do. Have. And Xbox that One X probably does have to. does have it. Well, yeah, obviously, but PS4 doesn't, so that's right. why I'm saying that. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously, beyond just games. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for your call, man. Again, a different perspective, but it sounds like you agree with the prior caller that you're not going to get a PS4 Pro, you're not going to get an Xbox One X, and you're hoping that there are changes and enhancements for the next round of consoles. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. Thank you for your call, man. Have a great Saturday. You too. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. We got another caller, Joseph L. Welcome to THS. How was your Saturday? Good, good. How are you doing, Shane? Good, man. Calls are just flowing in. Thanks, guys. I'm trying to get everybody in. I'm also trying to get people on who maybe have not been on the show yet. I want to make it fair. People who are trying to participate who maybe haven't made it on THS, I want to try to get them in. So um, how's your Saturday yeah, going? I've, I've been on before a couple times now. So. No, it's totally fine, though. You're, you're a great caller. You've, been, you've done a great job in the, in the past, so totally fine with that. Appreciate that, Shane. I uh, figured I'd Look give you a call calls. because you I actually do awesome. have a PS4 Pro. Okay, you do. Good. I'm glad you can provide that new perspective then. 
Yeah. So uh, I like the console. And one thing that neither of the other two callers brought up that I, uh, I noticed is that no one said anything about the performance improvements outside of framework, uh, sorry, frame rate and uh, graphical resolution. Load times. Load times is a huge increase, a huge change between the two consoles. Well, in I'll tell experience. you this, man. I've been playing Yakuza 6 the last like week and a half, and the load times in that game are awful. And I cannot tell you the last oh, time... Man. I cannot tell you the last time I played a game where load times were something that I took notice of and was like, oh, this sucks. Like, it, it's one of those games <laughs> where load, cutscene, load, cutscene, load, cutscene, yeah. lo then load the level, and it takes like a minute and a half, and you're just sitting there watching this little dinky bar on the bottom right hand of the screen, just like praying for it to load up whatever's coming next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't aware uh, that uh, so PlayStation 4 Pro's load times were that much better. Are they noticeable like obviously for for me so there's just the one game that i that i really played a lot of overlap between the two was uh assassin's creed origins okay so uh i i played i, I tweeted you and, and matt before i platinumed origins so i did yeah. all of it like um <laughs> and so <laughs> uh i put a lot of time into it on, on ps4 for example and the load times there would just be horrendous sometimes. You'd get a little too far in Senu, and you'd have to load back in, and it would just be like you'd lose where you were. You couldn't remember where you were looking. And so then when uh, I got my PS4 Pro over uh, Black Friday, I got it uh, for 350 uh, minus the trade-in of my old PS4. So wow. I got a pretty good deal on yeah, it. Yeah, you I got thought. a really good deal. Yeah, yeah, they had they had a fifty buck off, a fifty dollar off uh, sale going on at that point. So I think I ended up taking it home for two forty or wow. something like that. Now, see, I would go for that. Like, I'm, a, I would be okay with that. I missed like all the Black Friday stuff and all the really good deals on it. Um, and then I, I was like, after the holidays, I came back. I had like a bunch of gift cards, like a bunch of Amazon gift cards, and I went on Amazon mm -hmm. to look at it, and like the price had shot right back up to where it was. And I was like, well. I don't have yep. enough gift cards for it now, and I, I'm just <laughs> balked on buying it. And I actually kind of fall into the camp of, and I have seen it obviously running on 4K TVs and all that, uh, but I do kind of fall into the camp of my base PS4, I, I still don't view it as like old hardware. I don't play games on it, and I'm like, oh, this feels like yesterday's news or underpowered tech. Like, I still enjoy the visuals I'm getting from my base consoles. Um, so I've not managed to find myself in, in a place where i'm willing to plunk down the extra cash to upgrade unfortunately mm -hmm. but you're saying that you now let me let me ask you this question if you had paid full price for the playstation 4 pro like most people have to would you never would have would, never would, you, would have nope nope you would, you would not be happy with your purchase if you had done that no no wow. no, 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 no. Okay. Not, not worth 400 dollars. and why would you say I, that I, because um i the ps4 itself as a base console is great like you said it, it looks everything looks beautiful that plays on it and nothing that i played had any sort of uh, significant decrease you know or, or it was nothing so drastic that uh, that i would be like oh i could never go back to the playstation 4 with with this you know that that's uh -huh. not the case i I like the the console. I, I you know I like the pro. I like that the load times are better. Like I was saying on Origins, I could notice the, the difference drastically. Monster Hunter World takes only a couple seconds to load anything. Wow, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's great. And so, but but that alone would not justify you know the four hundred dollar uh, price point for it. Um, not when I already had the the base PS4, even with the four K TV that I have. And what kind of 4K TV do you have? Uh, I have a Samsung 4K from uh, 20, 
what are we in? We're in 2018. I think I picked it up in 2016, at the start of 2016. Wow, you were a really early adopter. I was, but I screwed myself over because I got the model that didn't have HDR, which oh, is no. like the bigger thing. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of the bigger thing. I got, I, I got, a, I got a Black Friday sale anyway, and, and uh, uh, the long story short, I got reimbursed for the cost of the TV because my apartment flooded. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I t- so it's just a free TV at this point. But oh. that being said, um, yeah, it, it works. Uh, it, it, I I like the pro. I like having the 4K capabilities, you know. But even like I said, Monster Hunter. I run Monster Hunter with the frame rate boost because I like having the increased frame rate. I, I think that fast games, actiony games like that, are better when you have a, a stable frame rate, a faster frame rate, because you can react quicker. Yeah, I would. I mean, I totally get that. Especially, I mean, Monster Hunter isn't necessarily a Twitch game, but uh, but there sure. are lots of Twitch games. And when you start talking about that, like frames can make a big difference in shooters a couple frames but can make the difference between living and dying when you're playing online so i totally understand that and it's it was you're right it is good to get the perspective of somebody who already owns the playstation 4 pro although it doesn't sound like you're giving it a glowing endorsement for people to go buy it at full price though i wouldn't i wouldn't give i wouldn't tell people let me put it this way if you don't have a ps4 go for the the pro definitely take the pro full price because it's worth it if if you don't have a console already it's totally worth the full price if you have it and you're upgrading it's not worth the the full price upgrade only upgrade if you can get a discount on it okay thank you for your call man great job as usual thanks for coming back to ths yeah no problem shane talk to you later all right brother all right we'll take one more call on this topic and we have keith mccain calling in we got a ton of people calling in, but Keith got in first. Let's get him in here. What's going on, Keith? Welcome to THS. Welcome, welcome back <laughs> hey, to Shane. THS, actually. Um, I'm a bit disappointed because Scotland lost the rugby earlier, but other than that, <laughs> I'm on THS. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, I thought I'd call in because I know I, I said on Twitter that I was on twice the last show and I thought I'd take a back seat but what the topic is is really kind of pertinent to me because I have a PS4 Pro but a 1080p TV Okay. and uh, the reason that I got the the Pro rather than the base PS4 is future proofing Okay. so I know my next TV purchase will be a 4K HDR ready TV so why not get the console now at a good price, which it was for me at the time, um, that I can do that. And um, Do you have a fear, though, remember, that you're going to buy the console now? And then, I mean, look, the rumors are already starting to swirl about PlayStation 5. The dev yeah, PS5. Went, dev I was went pissed out earlier off about that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it puts you in a weird position. And obviously, Sony's not the one who leaked that stuff out because it doesn't want to keep people from buying PlayStation 4 Pro. But... The bottom line is the information has got out, which is kind of pointing to PlayStation 5 maybe late next year. Yeah, and I'm not, it, I'm not so bothered about that because if the jump between the PS4 and PS4 Pro is about the same to the 5, I wouldn't be so worried. If it's going to be kind of a monumental leap and going to... Um, I don't know, blow the Xbox One X out of the gamescape, then, yeah. That's a good name for a gaming website, Gamescape. 
<laughs> not a bad not a bad name for a gaming show either. I'll have to write that one down. I'll make sure to give you credit if I end up using it. <laughs> but do you think um, we're, we're kind of but... caught in this no man's land here where they haven't really dropped the price of these mid-cycle upgrades, but now you're really starting to think about, okay, PlayStation 5, Xbox 2 could be coming soon? I mean... It's hard for me to believe that Xbox 2 is coming in the next two years, considering they just launched Xbox One X. But Absolutely certainly... not. The, the, the next iteration of the Xbox whatever isn't going to be for at least another two years. Um, but we're in the kind of two-year cycle for the, the PS4. But the, the thing for me that made me think um, I'll get the PS4 Pro... Um, and Evan has talked to me about that on Podcast Reload. He doesn't like or doesn't realize the benefit of what he called his Oreo sandwich. <laughs> um, and I told him to watch more Digital Foundry videos. Yeah, we curate tons of them on Sifted, so he should be watching them. Yeah, and I can, I can see on my 1080p display... Even before the super sampling um, update that Sony put through, the improvements from, say, a base PS4 that a friend owns, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, the frame rate mode and resolution mode, you can tell the difference on a 1080p display. Um, we can, but and... do you think the average person can? Because we don't count. I mean, let's be honest here. We're the core gamers. You're... You're on a talk show right now, a call-in show about video games. The average per the average consumer, the average person, isn't engaged with games as much as the average Sifted subscri subscriber is. It's just the fact. So it's easy for us to see because we look at this stuff and analyze this stuff every single day. But do you really think that the person who buys five games a year or less really can see the difference? Well, th I'd, I'd put myself in that bracket of kind of five games a year type person, but... But you engage with games on a far deeper level than yeah. the, the average person who buys five games a year. I mean, I'm talking about the people yeah. who buy Madden every year, Call of Duty every year. If Destiny comes out, they buy Destiny, that, that type of a player. Yeah. Um, I'm really not sure because i don't have the frame of reference with enough people to say do people actually notice the difference and i don't know enough people with 4k tvs or 4k displays so is that the problem and though i what, mean the fact that most people do not have 4k displays yeah I'd, I'd say that the display is the issue holding back the hardware rather than the other way around and uh, most of the people who I know who belong to the PC master race um, <laughs> have got everything that they possibly need and they've got the 4K monitor. They've got a rig that can run everything in 4K 60 or even higher resolution or even higher frame rates. So they're not going to be handing in their master race cards to get an Xbox <laughs> One X. Well, no. I mean, look, the people who are really hardcore PC players, I don't think they're ever going to own a console ever because... No matter how powerful a console is, the PC is always going to be more powerful. Um, I mean, some yeah. people may start questioning that now because the price of graphics cards have shot through the roof because of Bitcoin mining. But I think for the most – eventually that's going to settle down and it's not going to be as extreme. But I do mm -hmm. think that uh, – that the average hardcore PC player is always going to have a PC. And no matter what, 
if you're willing to spend the money, PC gaming is always going to be the superior experience to consoles, other than the content that's available. Though Microsoft is starting to rem remedy that a little bit with its new, you know, Xbox Everywhere program, where every game that it makes also launches on PC day and date. So the lines are starting to get blurry, but I think, you know, what's next after 4K, 8K, 6K, whatever, PC gamers are going to want to play in that resolution. Um, and I don't begrudge them for it at all. If they can afford it and it's not going to keep them from paying their rent or putting food on the table, then go for it. I wish I could afford a rig that can run games in 4K at 60 frames per second. That would be awesome. Um, so I don't begrudge anyone who feels that way or that's how they want to spend their money. Um, but I do, <laughs> I do think that counting on that group of people, as you called the PC master race to come in and adopt these consoles, I think is a, is a really tough ask. And I don't, I don't see it happening in all honesty. No. And it's kind of like the equivalent of counting on the whales, um, for microtransactions that that's, these that's people want the best of everything and they're going to pay the adoption price for a brand new, this is the best running computer console hardware that you can possibly get. Yeah. And there's only going to be a fraction of society that can actually do that. But kind of skipping back to the, the, the kind of reason for the call-in um, and picking up on the point that you were making, yes, I do, I, I do notice the difference between running a PS4 Pro and a base console on a 1080p um, display even before the latest update and the super sampling update Oh my God, I noticed the difference. I, I've been replaying uh, Uncharted 4 and it was gorgeous. Yeah. And I downloaded the update and literally I could see the difference between um, the PS4 Pro mode and the boost mode that was running on that and the super sampling mode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's and good. That's on a so you can, you can see the difference. But don't you think it's hard for the average person to see that leap, especially if they don't have it and they're not playing it on their own television and they're just watching internet videos on YouTube? Um, well, the, the, the hard thing about um, YouTube and watching things online, unless you're really into it and you're watching someone like Digital Foundry, is you're, you're never going to get exposed to yeah. the, the technical side of it. Well, the compression's really um, bad typically on YouTube videos as well, and that takes a little bit of the edge off of it. Yeah, and there's there's other problems as well. Like there's less powered consoles that seem to be really popular at the moment. Yay! Congratulations. Um, so last week you said you were not going to get a Switch, and there you are. You you got yourself a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> well, and I, I said I said last week it would take a price drop of a game value to do it, right. and there was a price drop of a game value to do it. So I bit the bullet and went and did it. What price drop did you find? Uh, it was uh, £45, so what would that be? Basically, the cost of a game in the US, $60. So it was a bundle that bundled in uh, Mario, I'm guessing? Yep. And li literally, the day after we, film <laughs> we filmed last <laughs> week, I got an email um, from someone saying a discount, so went and did it. That's great, man. Well, congratulations, and enjoy your Switch, and enjoy your Saturday night, because it is nighttime where you are, right? Thank you very much. All right, yep. take care, man. Saturday night. Thanks. Bye. Yep. 
All right. Great, great discussion. As always, THS, the discussions on this show are amazing, and it's all driven by you. So we And I see other people are calling right now, but we are going to move on because we've already discussed that topic for 45 minutes, and this show is only two hours max. So let's move on to the next topic. The next topic is video game characters. Um, what goes into a great video game character? What are your favorite video game characters and why? Um, I think a lot of people might say what makes a great video game character is a great video game that they're a part of, but I would beg to differ. I think that there are video game characters that are in games that aren't great, uh, that where the character is still something compelling. Um, I think an example of that for me personally, and I know a lot of people like this franchise, but I never really did, is Jack and Daxter. I never really enjoyed the games that much. Um, the first one, the Precursor Legacy, drove me bonkers. Um, but I still really liked the characters. And I think for me, it wasn't just how they were designed or how they looked. I think it was the, the banter between the two of them. So the writing and the voice acting to me really sold those characters. So what is your favorite video game character and why and what do you think it takes to make a great video game character or at the very least a memorable video game character so all right here we go we got mikey mike's q calling in what's up and welcome to ths how's it going shane good man how are you doing welcome back to the show thank you very much um the uh for me personally I have to bring up my first video game character that I fell in love with. Okay. And if anyone if anyone has seen my Twitter, my Sifted, uh, my Easy Allies, almost anywhere, actually even my Google is Commander Keen. Commander Keen. Interesting. Commander Keen. Um, what is it about that character? Because it was actually the first character that there was actually lore behind it that I found when I was playing games. Because even though a lot of it was in text and stuff, either before or after the game, there was a whole story about Billy Blaze, this genius 10-year-old who um, escapes uh, from his babysitter to go out to his uh, backyard fortress and build the Bean with Bacon Mega Rockets out of parts he scavenged from around the house. And goes off to save the uh, the galaxy from the Vortigons on Mars. And then his arch nemesis, Mortimer McGuire, which we never actually got to see because, because uh, Keen 7 was canceled. But at the age that I was playing that game, I was just like, wow, <laughs> I love this character. Because I was like 10, 11, 12 years old when I first played this character. And I, I took a football helmet and colored it yellow and ran around like Billy Blaze. <laughs> That's great. Because... Because I was so enthralled with that character. That character spoke to me more than a Zelda, a, <laughs> um, a BJ Blazkowicz, a Link, or a Mario, or any of those games at the time. And of course, yes, objectively, there are many better video game characters today. Are they? But... Are there, though? I mean, I mean, what you're basically well, okay, saying I... is that the, what, what sells a character for you is you personally connecting to that character right yeah i also connected to gordon freeman because i think a lot <laughs> because of people I, uh, do yeah well it's not, not not just because you know he was good with the crowbar but also <laughs> because at, at the time i was studying chemistry at millersville so i am very familiar with my little sister went to millersville for a while yeah so but yeah 
it's it's simple. It's part of uh, ID Software's uh, deep dark his not dark but deep past history, and it was probably my favorite video game character. And I would it would be hard for me to replace that character with, especially a modern character. So Geralt of Rivia comes very close. Geralt. Yeah. What is it about Geralt that you like? Um, I enjoy Geralt very much because I actually started playing the first game, played about 18 hours into it, and found out there was a whole book series about this world. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I got to stop, go back. And I actually took a hiatus for a year and a half to read all of the books before uh. I jumped back into the Witcher games. And even though the, the games themselves aren't a direct continuation, they're kind of like, a mirrored occurrence of what happens in the books. It helped me understand that character so much better uh, because, I mean, it helps that that character was contrived from an author's depiction of a character and not just a game writer who had to come up with a character for a game. It would be like having a, it would be like having a video game based off of a historical figure like John Adams or like Abraham Lincoln, where there's so much known about the character and there's a lot of personality that can be put into that character. But for that character to have been born out of someone's mind, um, Andre Sikowski did a fantastic job with creating that character, multiple characters in that world. And they're on quite two different ends of the spectrum. Uh, Billy Blaze is the is the 10 year old genius who's just fighting slime lords and whatnot. And Geralt is fighting the real monsters of humanity and the darkness. So for you, lore is really important. Kind of building that back history up of a character, whether it's done in the game or it's done through peripheral media via books or maybe a TV show or a film or something like that. That's really important to you. For Yeah. For a character to go beyond skin deep of just me enjoying just the time I'm playing the character for me to actually think about the character outside of me playing the game. It has to be more than just a, a wisecracking individual or someone with a, a funny accent. Cause I was playing Vermintide two today and love, it. love that game. If I have to hear the word mayfly one more time, <laughs> Uh, someone's going to die. And it, it's terrible because I'm playing the elf. And so every game, there's going to be about 20 or 30 mayflies uttered. And I don't know what to do about it. I'm glad there will be mods because maybe we can mod out some of the elf racism and um, all the other stuff like that. But but what is also cool about the is that I am a complete novice on Warhammer lore, but... It sounds like there's actually a lot of back histories with different people and different individuals um, that they have a history from not only Vermintide 1, but Warhammer the game itself. Like whether you're talking tabletop card or, uh, or the different iterations of the video game. All right. Well, listen, great call, man. Uh, have an excellent Saturday. You're ter quickly turning into a THS alum, man, and a fellow Central <laughs> Pennsylvanian, I might add. All right. I got my uh, bandwidth fixed just for you. Much better, man. Looks and sounds great. Thank you, man. Have a great right. Saturday. You too. All right. Take care. All right. Let's get one more caller in for uh, for this topic. 
Um, this isn't obviously one that's going to drive a ton of discussion, but call us, call in, let us know what your favorite video game character is, why it's your favorite character, and what really makes a great video game character to you. Um, characters really kind of drive the industry in a lot of ways. Um, I would, ar it's argued that it could be argued that video game characters are what drive a lot of the sales in our industry and get keep and get people to keep coming back and buying a franchise time and time again. All right, we have Joseph L. calling in. Joseph, welcome to THS. Are you there? Oh, it looks like we lost him. Try to call back in, Joseph, and we'll get you in the show. Maybe he's having some technical difficulties. Um, my favorite game characters typically are the ones that are written the best. I don't care so much about their history because I, I tend to take games on a game-by-game -game basis. All right, here's Joseph. Let's see if we can get him in this time. Joseph, welcome to THS, my friend. Sorry about that, Shane. Lost you for a second there. It's okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, characters and games. That's the topic, right? Yep, it is. What's your favorite character and why? Uh, well... Geralt was pretty close. That was a, that was a good <laughs> choice. But um, uh, one of my favorite characters is actually uh, Morrigan from Dragon Age. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Uh, I think that, I mean, the voice actress is Claudia Black, who uh, also does Chloe Fraser in uh, Uncharted. And her, her talent just really brings the character to life. And I don't know who wrote the character, but just she seems like such a real person. Some of her motivations are... are fascinating and and you know it, the way that that you interact with her throughout both games that she appears in in origins and inquisition are just just uh, i can't even put into words how much i love her as a character so you feel um, like the character's been really well fleshed out because of how good the writing is yes absolutely the writing and, and the performance uh, definitely are two of the best things about about uh, that character. And then, you know, the overarching story and her role in all of it makes her really important, but not so important. You, you don't realize how important she actually is yet. You know, there's a lot of trickery and subtlety going on when, when the, that character is around. Where would you put uh, Dragon Age in your pantheon of action RPGs? Is it high up on your list? Oh, Dragon Age is easy top five game of all time. Wow. Which one? Uh, Origins is is in there inquisition is close to origins there's some things that are i, I like a little bit more about origins and, and there's not enough more again in inquisition if you ask me <laughs> but uh well she's your favorite yeah, character i can I, get that totally yeah i mean my, my top five games you know consists of, of mostly rpgs and storytelling games kingdom hearts Grand Theft Auto games Skyrim, you know elder scrolls in general that kind of stuff so so you know characters are fascinating but another character that i want to talk about speaking of skyrim that's amazing is uh is cicero i think that cicero is a fascinating character in skyrim one of my favorites of all time and that has a lot to do with the with the performance i, I remember thinking this guy has to be in something else he is so great whoever's doing this voice is so incredible and i don't know if he have actually did anything but cicero yeah i mean i one thing i would say about a lot of action rpgs is that a lot of times there are so many characters that it's like, one, it's really hard for them to develop any of the characters because they kind of come in and out of the story mm -hmm. so so frequently. Um, but two, they never get really enough screen time to develop the character. And I think that's, it's a very fine line you have to walk there um, between 
making a story robust and big enough so that it can branch out so you can actually have feasible uh, side side quests and things like that where you, they actually care about, but not watering down the cast so much that you end up not caring about mm -hmm. any of them. Yeah, and that's why party-based uh, RPGs are, are so important because they are not ones where you only see them in you know a certain town that you go into or a certain quest line. They're there throughout the whole game. And I think that party members, I mean, everything from Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, you know, I mean, I'm listening to Bioware games, apparently, but uh, they, they, they are the preeminent party creator when it comes to, to characters. Uh, and, and I think that that's a good, a good system. It's important to have good characters uh, in your party because you get to know them, you get to feel for them, you, you feel like you've gone through the adventure with them. I mean, even Kingdom Hearts, where you have Donald and Goofy, I mean, it's Donald and Goofy, okay, but you still, you've developed that relationship with them as Sora throughout those games. You absolutely do. I um, mean, look, I'm I'm the gameplay ver first guy, story second guy. But even I mm -hmm. have, you know, even for me when I'm playing a game, if there are characters that I don't care about or they're unbelievable, it completely take me out of the experience. So I hear yeah. that. I mean, it honestly, I think a good character is what takes games from this digital medium to something a lot more personal and human. Um, mm -hmm. not, and the characters don't even have to be human. It's like you mentioned, like Goofy and Donald in Kingdom Hearts. Like, you need to bring some humanity, to, to, I believe, to every video game, or otherwise they just feel like this hollow piece of technical babble. Um, and, and right, they I, become everything that Jim Sterling plays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's a great example. Yeah, so uh, I'm right there with you on that one, man. Have yourself a great Saturday, okay? Thanks, Shane. Bye-bye. Adios, amigo. All right, another great round of calls on that topic. We're going to move along. We're already about halfway done through the show, and I'm not even halfway through the topic, so I'm going to pick it up a little bit. Um, our next topic is something we discussed on Game Face yesterday, and again, it wasn't streamed live, so you guys didn't get to see uh, unless you've watched the archive, and it's two hours long, so maybe not, it's a little early maybe for you to get through it, but one of the topics that we discussed was Grand Theft Auto 6 leaks. So there's a YouTube channel called The No. That that says that it has reliable information on the next Grand Theft Auto, and the Crib Notes version essentially is takes place in Miami and South America. There's a female lead character, and it's launching in 2022. Um, by now, I'm assuming almost everybody who's watching this has played Grand Theft Auto 5 and probably played all the games before that as well. So the topic of this discussion is. Let's come up with a Grand Theft Auto 6 wish list. What do you guys want to see? And this is not an easy topic because one thing you can say about Grand Theft Auto is it is a very exhaustive franchise. And Rockstar has done a great job of establishing the template with Grand Theft Auto 3 and then building on it every time. And so I'm wondering if that franchise is starting to, or will start to, suffer from the law of diminishing returns. So... Here's our first call from Live MWW07. Welcome to TH. Hey, welcome to THS. What's your uh, what's your wish list for Grand Theft Auto 6? This is going to sound to state the obvious, but I think better character control, better gameplay in general. I've yes! always thought the GTA yes, games have absolutely. really lacked good control. Absolutely. I agree with that a thousand percent. To me, it seems like the last thing that Rockstar seems compared with or, or concerned with is the actual gameplay of the game. I mean, it ha look, it has got better, right? It's, it has not. It's, it has improved from from one in entrance to the or entry to the next, right? 
it's gotten better, but to say it's anywhere near good would be an understatement. <laughs> so what are your biggest complaints with Grand Theft Auto's gameplay? I've never, like, ultimately it's a third-person shooter. It's, a, it's an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter with the gunplay being absolutely atrocious. Do you think the gunplay is atrocious at this point? Because the first few games, I would absolutely agree with you. The gunplay was almost unworkable. And you're right, it is a third-person shooter, and that's something that should have been a focus from the beginning. But I don't know that I'd call it terrible now, though. I, but here's the thing. I would okay, maybe terrible is an exaggeration, but I wouldn't call it competent either. Yeah, I think particularly when you compare Grand Theft Auto to the other thing, third-person shooters. I'm not even talking. When I think when I'm comparing it to gunplay, I'm not comparing it to like Gears of War or anything. I'm comparing it to sort of other open-world sandbox games like the Saints Row games or even Mercenaries back on the Xbox and PS2. Oh wow, you're going back. <laughs> I have always like in those kind of sandbox games, which I kind of throw them on the same group. GTA is still by far the worst. Do you think in I, terms I have of a question for play. you? I have a question for you. So Rockstar is pretty smart. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Do you think that maybe they've kind of dialed back the gameplay in the game so that the people focus more on the content, the cultural satire, and things like the story, the characters? Um, do you think maybe that it's a conscious decision by Rockstar to make it make a GTA that way? That wouldn't surprise me, knowing that they're probably no, they probably themselves know know that they're relatively weak at gameplay, and so they kind of pare it back. Because I would actually argue that the gameplay in Red Dead Redemption is also a little janky. Would you agree with that? Have you played Red Dead? No, I have not. Oh, okay. Like, I tend to avoid Rockstar games. Like, I've played each of the Grand Theft Auto games a little bit, but never stuck because of the gameplay, so I tend to avoid Rockstar games for that reason. So, that don't you think that that's something that's maybe pretty easy to fix? You would think. Because <laughs> you're but right. I mean, look, are... there are indie games out there that are created by teams of 20 people where that's not really an issue. <laughs> It's like, and again, like, I, I under, like, part of it I kind of understand in that Grand Theft Auto V was a 360 PS3 game originally, and you yeah. are working with some pretty strict hardware limitations in terms of memory, because ultimately that's where your gameplay stuff sits. Yeah. <laughs> so you would hope with way more RAM, specifically way more memory, to store that stuff, you would get much better gameplay in the open world. Now, one thing I hear a lot of people complain about, and actually, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I think just maybe over the years of playing this series, I've just gotten good at it. But a lot of people complain about how the cars handle in Grand Theft Auto. Like, I could, to I could totally see that. Like, I don't think it's awful, especially for the kind of game it is, but... But I definitely could see where people are going with that. It is different. I mean, the handling for cars in that game is different than pretty much any other game. But 
once I learned to just let off the gas while I was going around corners, that was like all I needed to basically get into the zone with that game. It's just a little different. And again, it might be intentional. Maybe Rockstar just wants it to have its kind of own flavor when, it's, when it comes to uh, controlling vehicles. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be. We'll have to see what they do in 2022 on the PS5 and Xbox 2. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, because like again, like that's actually the topic I was trying to get in on earlier. I will point out, like, that is going to be... The next couple of generations are going to be probably some of the more interesting console generations because we're going to be at 4K for about 20 years. You think so? You think yeah, it's, you think it's going to be like standard definition television that that was around for decades? I absolutely, I absolutely do. Why do, you, why do you think that? that? Because the raw horsepower you need to go from 4K to even something like 6K is insane. No, you're right. You're absolutely like, right. You're talking about a level of horsepower that it won't be in consumer hardware anytime soon. I'm also wondering, too, if... I mean, just with also like, diminishing returns. Right, costs. right. Like, I mean, I think already so, people, some like, people are having problems. Like my wife can't see the difference between 1080p and 4K. She'll say that I, 4K I, TV I looks can. good. I just prefer. I can. I just prefer 1080p 60 over 4K 30. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who feel D that way. Give it like that choice and. I've said this before, and given what a lot of people suspect is going to be in a PS5 and Xbox 2 in terms of hardware, even on the low end of that prediction scale, I sincerely hope developers do as a baseline, even if they put it five menus deep so people don't actually turn it on by mistake, give people a 60 FPS mode for lower graphics if they want it. Yeah, because I think the pro you're, you may be right, actually. I mean, 4K may end up being the standard for a long time because if you start thinking about the fact that a lot of people can't tell the difference between 1080p and 4K, how about the jump from 4K to 6K? And at a certain point, how is it even possible to see the, dif the difference? It's like if you have a really good 4K source on a really good 4K TV with HDR, it's really hard for me yeah, to fathom not... how it can look any better. I mean, you're literally yeah, it... seeing, like, every pore on every person's face. And do you want to be able to see better than that? No. And the thing is, you already need a 60-inch television for 4K to matter anyway. You're absolutely right. You're right. So, like, so like at that point, you just – of what people could have in their homes. Yep. So, like, again, like, as, like I said, like, yeah, Rockstar needs better game pie. I hope developers on the PS5 and Xbox 2 really do consider putting in a 60 FPS mode in all of their games. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for your call, and have yourself a great weekend, okay? Yep. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. All right. Let's take one more call on this topic, uh, GTA 6 Wishlist. So, so we've already had a discussion on... The gameplay. And I think the gameplay is a sticking point for that franchise for a long time for a lot of people. Um, I, The first few GTA games, to me, were almost borderline unplayable. And I feel like Rockstar has kind of adjusted the shooting mechanics in GTA to a point where I can at least tolerate them. Um, I, I feel like even though the game looks like a third-person shooter, Rockstar does its best to to make it so when people play it, they don't feel like they're playing a third-person shooter because there's kind of, like, a lot of auto-targeting. And, look, every game has aim assist in it. 
Um, you just kind of have to if you're playing with sticks. But Rockstar takes it to the next level. I mean, it basically locks on to enemies for you, and then you kind of fine-tune your aim for headshots or other well-placed shots. But what other than gameplay in Grand Theft Auto are you guys looking for a change in for the next installment? Which allegedly, according to the report from the No, is not coming until 2022. Uh, what are you guys looking for? Are you guys happy with the settings? Do you guys think Grand Theft Auto should go international um, instead of always being kind of set in the U.S. and making fun of the United States? Do you think other countries would handle the satire as well as the U.S. audience has? Obviously, People love Grand Theft Auto, and so it seems in America, and so it seems Americans are okay kind of laughing at themselves a little bit, or at least laughing at the culture in America. So let's move on. We're going to talk next about violence in video games. It's been a hot topic for the last few weeks now um, after the unfortunate uh, school shooting in Florida. Uh, once again, video games have been thrust into the spotlight. A lot of people trying to place blame on video games for violence that happens in the real world. Uh, we've talked about it the last two weeks on Game Face. I've obviously shared my take on it. Um, and uh, the one argument you hear all the time is, oh, well, why does every other country play all the same games we do, watch all the same movies we do, watch all the same TV shows we do, and yet they don't have this problem with mass shootings? So um, give us a call, Sifted Games, on Skype, and let us know your take on video game violence. Do you think there's any truth to it at all? Um, what some people are saying about video games interact uh, having an effect on real-world behavior. We have Chad Alvarez on the phone. Welcome to the show, Chad. Welcome to THS. Chad, your mic is not working. Maybe you need to turn it on or something. Still can't hear you, brother. There you go. What about now? Going yep. straight. I can hear you now. Okay. Welcome to the show. Hey man, hey, listen, I, I go by Odin Five, so just went first oh. time caller, long time of yours. So let me get you on the screen so everybody can see you. Uh, it's cool. great when we get people from Sifted who come on the show and everybody can put a face with the name. Finally, uh, so let me let me get you in here, man. I want to make sure everybody can can see you. Welcome, Odin Five, and thank you for your support on Sifted, man. You've been a great user, I think, since launch. Were you in on on day one? Yeah, I, I was since day one, and and I, I followed you since. Jeez, man, G4? I mean, way oh, yeah? back in the day. Yeah, yeah I, I've run into very few people who remembered that I was ever at GameSpot. That the, the cutoff seems to be G4. Um, every once in a while, yeah. someone will be like, I remember your N64 reviews at GameSpot, but for the most part, people picked up with me at uh, G4 just like you did. So what's your take on this, Odin? Yeah. So it's funny. I was just talking to my wife about that today, and I really kids? think, you know, I've got four kids. Okay, um, great. 18 years old. Uh, I got a son's gonna be 18 next week, all the way down to six years old. Here's my thing, man. Like, I was not, I was never raised around guns. My dad has guns, but he never pulled them out. And I, and I feel like a lot of the themes that we find with these shooters that they, they've been around and exposed to guns. Like their parents, you know, went to gun ranges, and there's just a lot of exposure to guns. And the bottom line is this, man. I play shooters my whole life. I watch violent movies. My kids do too. But like. They recognize, just like myself, the difference between fantasy and reality. And I, I play shooters to relieve stress, but I, I don't act on it in real life. But if you look at violence in video games and people that have – listen, my, my parents divorced, but I have two loving parents. And um, 
I'm on my second marriage and I'm, I'm a stepdad and a biological father. And I just teach my kids, like, look, man, like a lot of the stuff you see on TV or social media, it's not real. And again, I've, I, I don't know how to shoot a gun. And if you look at a lot of the shooters, a lot of the commonalities are they've been exposed to guns. They've seen guns. Their parents know how to shoot guns. And they somewhere along the lines, they've got taught that, you know, there was there was something that was embedded in them. Um Honestly, I, mean, look, I, mean, that's, I, that's I grew up taste. with guns, by the way. I grew up in a rural house out in the woods. Like we were like 12 miles away from the nearest town, and that town was a small town. So I got my first BB gun when I was six. I got my first rifle when I was 12. It was just a 22 bolt action rifle. Um, I grew up hunting um, with shotguns. I bow hunted for deer with a bow, killed my first deer with a bow. Um, I have grown up with guns and around gun culture. And so I, you're right. I mean, there are certain households where guns are just a part of life. And it's, you know, people are proud of their gun collections. And, and most of those people that I have known throughout my life, they are very responsible yeah. people who keep their guns locked up. They keep their guns very well maintained. Um, but trying to draw this this link between video games and somebody shooting someone in the real world to me that's that's a big time stretch i i just think again it's it goes back to the family unit i mean a lot of the problems in society go back to the family unit case in point as a father when i grew up it was traditional like no matter when, when the lamp, the street lights went on you came home for supper dinner wherever you're from nowadays with sports and and how how much the the sporting, you know, kids with, that are involved in sports are, are fragmented. You've got very rarely does the family unit sit down as a family and have dinner together. And it's if always they do, like one kid at dance. And if you, if they do, uh, a lot of the kids are on their phones while they're sitting there with the family. Well, I, I don't allow that. That's good. I mean, so so kind of tying it all together, it's just it comes down to the family unit. You know, you look at the education system. You look at like, oh well, you know, as a society, we're failing. Like. I just tell my kids when I notice that they're too plugged into social media and their phones, I'm like, hey, okay, put your phones down. Like when we're having dinner, phones go away. But, you know, to answer your question, I mean, this is going to this is never going to go away. We're always going to be talking about violence in video games because it's an There's easy target. Be right? on, it's, a, it's an easy scapegoat. It's like it's the go to right when you don't want to yeah. actually address the issue. It's something that you can just mention offhand and, and at least a certain segment of society is going to get behind it. And usually it's a segment of society who's never played games, don't understand games, probably hate games because somebody that they know right. plays them and it takes attention away from them. There's all these other elements that come into play that make games an easy target for blame. You know, in my, the school, I'm in Maryland, by the way, and I grew up in southern Delaware. So, yeah, chicken farms and guns. Trust me, man. I mean, when I was in school, we had guys that would drive to school with right, you know, shotguns on their, you know, literally sh gun racks on the back of their trucks. Me too. So, yeah, Absolutely. That, yeah, I mean, you go and look at, like, <laughs> you go out, like, after school and you look at the cars or the trucks in the parking lot from the students and probably half of them. Yeah have a gun rack on the back they window did. of their pickup truck yes, with sir. like with like three rifles there. It's crazy. Absolutely. And I think Absolutely. And you know, and it's funny my, my dad is a fighter pilot. Um, I grew up military. My dad has an AR15. He's got a assault rifle and he actually showed it to me like last year and I was like, "Why do you have this?" He goes, "Well, you know, he's got uh, a Beretta and he's got several guns." And I just asked, "Why do you have an assault rifle?" And he says, "Well, you know, just if I go to the range and shoot it." But Here's my big thing. I'm all for the Second Amendment. I think 
Everyone should have a right to have guns, but Agreed. when when the original founding fathers wrote these rules, there was no such thing as a, an assault rifle. No, you know, I mean, and, they were using muskets. The <laughs> they were using muskets. You could shoot one musket ball every like three minutes or something. Like a really good person exactly. with a musket can load a musket <laughs> in like three minutes. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think sometimes people adhere to the past a little too closely without giving any consideration or framing the present and what what is actually happening in the present. I mean, another part that a lot of people bring up is I don't want to get off games too much, but um, another thing that people bring up a lot of times is that you know it's their right to have a militia to stop tyr- tyrannical leaders from taking becoming a dictator or whatever, but. Again, that was back in the days where everybody had a musket and maybe someone had a cannon. Things have <laughs> things have changed. Like the government comes for you yeah. now, even if you have that AR-15, that semi-automatic rifle, are you going to be able to stop a drone attack or a mortar shell or right. artillery or an Apache helicopter? All to me, all those arguments just ring hollow. And I, I look, I still have a ton of friends who love guns, and just like you. Some of them have AR-15s and, 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 and semi-automatic rifles. And you ask them, yeah. what do they use them for? And they cannot give you a good reason. They say, I like it. I do it for there's fun. No reason, there's no reason for an AR-15 to be on the street. I mean, Agreed. I think it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. And I do like the fact that they were talking about maybe if you're going to sell that stuff to civilians, shortening the clips so they have to reload yeah. faster. I mean, it, it, it's shocking we're even having this conversation it really with is. all the shootings. It really is. Um, look, there's. It isn't just the guns. Look, I don't want to just say it is just the the semi-automatic rifles. I mean, those weapons allow these people to kill a lot more people than they would have killed if they had a shotgun or a bolt-action rifle or a handgun. But there there are deeper issues, and I think mental health is a part of it. I think sharing information Absolutely. between agencies is a big part of it. Um, right now, you have these databases that are disparate from each other and they don't share all the same information there's a lot of things that can be done it's not just one thing that needs to be done but to me until these things are done you're right games are going to it is there it's hard it's not easy it's not easy to come up with the ideas everyone's going to get around and then to pass the vote and then to make sure that like people aren't going to freak out over it right. so it's, it's a hard thing to do it's hard to change something so- like this but it's got to start somewhere first of all you can't just keep saying, right. you can't just keep kicking the can down the road because eventually it is going to start. And then so maybe it takes 20 years till you see a difference or 30 years. So what? The longer you wait to do that, the longer you're waiting to see the change and the difference. And so it needs to be a multi-pronged effort. It needs to be a mental health thing, an information sharing thing, and some gun regulations. And I think then you start seeing a change. But we can't keep putting it off and ignoring it and just thinking it's going to go away. And why I care about it so much is because this thing, video games, that provides a living for me and my family and for millions of people in the United States and all around the world, and something that I just love with my heart and soul, is always under attack when this stuff happens. And so I'm always trying to find ways, or a way at least, to try to get people to start thinking intelligently about what the real problems are and why this stuff is happening so that ultimately our hobby will stop being attacked. Right. And I mean, honestly, I, I saw on the news yesterday, like Trump was addressing it. So I don't, I don't maybe you can curate some of that stuff in, in snippets because it is a hot topic and it is very interesting. But I kind of relate it to like with, with video game magazines back in the day. It's like, 
you know, is Activision shoveling you money to give it an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10? Whereas the NRA spends a lot of money for these politicians. So that we all know the NRA is in people's, you know, Absolutely. Or buying yeah. people, these politicians off. So it's, it's yeah, a catch-22. That's, that's not a theory or a conspiracy. That's just the fact. <laughs> the data is right. there. The checks have been cashed and signed. That's not just some crazy whacked-out theory that people have. The NRA is a lobbying organization that gives a lot of money to politicians. And look, they, and they give money to Republicans. They give money to some Democrats, too. So it's like yeah. no one's completely innocent here in this. It's something that people need to forget about whatever political affiliation that they have and just care about the kids. I mean, I don't even have kids. If I had four kids, I'd be on fire about this, man. Yeah. Like it, It's scary. I mean, I, I live two miles from my, my six-year-old. She's in kindergarten. And, you know, when I go up to there, I, I, I'm thinking, you know, like, what if? What if this? You know, how quickly could I get to the school? Being yeah. two miles away, you like, shouldn't have to think about take, that. It's insane. Like, you're these not shootings take three all minutes. over the United States are like this. They're like, they kiss their kid goodbye when they put him on the bus, and they're like, "Am I going to see my kid again?" That's bonkers. That is in freaking insane. No parent in America should be thinking that when they kiss their kid goodbye. They should be worried about, "Hey, did we prepare enough for that quiz that he has today?" Or yeah. Is she going to play well tonight in her volleyball game? Like, that's the stuff you should be worrying right. about with your kids. Not if some whack job is going to come into their school and kill dozens of them in five minutes with some weapon that's only made, in all honesty, to kill other human beings. And Right. I, and- I see what's going to happen, though. My son, he brought this up this morning. He was like, you know, you know, Fortnite, there's no, there's no blood. There's no graphic yeah. violence. I, go, I never thought about that because it is a caricature-type shooter. Maybe, you know, they have, like, you know... Which game was it back in the day where you could turn the blood on or off or you could make it green? <laughs> oh, it was Mortal Kombat. Well, Mortal Kombat on the yeah. Super Nintendo, the blood was green. You couldn't even make it red if you wanted to. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, I think that's what's going to happen. But, Shane, I'm going to let someone else call in, but uh, I want to hit, hit you up later because, you know, I run a digital marketing company. I want to talk to you about you know, something I can do for you for free. Wow. Okay? That's music to my ears. <laughs> Odin, thank you so much. Have a great Saturday, man. And uh, thanks for calling into THS. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take it easy, brother. All right. That was a great discussion. That's the type of discussions we want to have on THS. I know that there's somebody sitting out there right now who wants to call in and address what we just discussed. Um, Call in. Sifted Games on Skype. S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S. This is a very complicated topic. We got Keith McCain calling and he wants to discuss it. What's up, Keith? Hey, Welcome back. What's your impression? What's your opinion on video game violence? As I'm, I'm not allowed to have an opinion because I'm British. Um, <laughs> well, you absolutely are. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. I, I, think, I think people are getting mixed, mixed up with um, issues here. And... Um, after my 67th killing spree today from um, <laughs> shooting some people in Uncharted 4 this morning, um, it's the, the study that I keep going back to, and I know it's really bad of me to quote a study without actually quoting the name of it, but the, the most recent study that I looked at looking into video game violence cuts through the issue, which is... All video games, all video games produce an aggressive response. Violent and non-violent video games. Yeah, FIFA. Also, FIFA. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have got more angry and lashed out more 
after playing NHL 94 or NFL Blitz or Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey for the N64 than I ever have playing quote unquote violent video games. It's it's yeah. just human nature. It's just like if you play sports in real life and you uh, you lose a tough game, you're pissed off after you fit it. It's just called yeah. being a human being. Yeah, and um, the the study showed they they measured violent video games, non-violent video games, and all other forms of media, and they found that the same aggressive response is found in all forms of media now and that includes films movies tv major sports is anyone talking about banning the nhl or nba or god forbid the um the, they're going to stop pittsburgh versus cleveland because <laughs> fans get angry at the result no, I mean, look um, at look at hockey. I mean, look, I'm a huge hockey guy. I love hockey. I love the NHL. There's a sport where they teach kids that it, in some instances, it's okay to fist fight. Yeah, but just as long as you take your um, your PPE off and take your hat off and right. don't look, hit as long with sticks. As, as long as you're on the ice and you're a part of this organization yeah. called the NHL, it's okay to beat the snot out of somebody. I mean... Yeah, so... The, the whole thing is an avoidance tactic, um, and um, I've, I've seen some um, crazy, absolutely crazy interviews, and I, I posted one in the chat just now. The craziest one that I saw, which should be the only question, the, the first question on the list, do you want to buy an assault rifle? Yes. Why do you want, do you want to buy an assault rifle because you think the British might invade again? If the answer is yes, they should never be sold that weapon. <laughs> that's, a pre that's a pretty good analogy for sure. Um, I just think it's laziness. Like, you know, to go back to o the call with Odin 5, it just, it's... I, I, yeah, I don't want to get into that too much. But... Yeah. But what, what, do you think, what do you think is different about living in the UK versus kind of our perspective on things in the United States? I want to kind of get that, that angle from you. There isn't one other than the, uh, the... There are still people in the UK who believe that video game violence and movie violence begets violence, and people like to use that as a really easy maxim, again, to avoid more complex issues. And... Uh, the uh, I think the difference mainly is the people hiding behind the misuse of the Second Amendment. Um, it, it is, having read it and having listened to people talk about it, it is a misconstruction of uh, a statement that was made uh, 200 some odd years ago and is being used today to justify a, a point of view that isn't is no longer relevant and i think if you put this up on youtube i'm just going to get vilified but <laughs> that that is what it is um there are if if there were uh there are the same level of violent video games played in, elsewhere in the world so what is the statistical anomaly? And the statistical anomaly is the prevalence of gun ownership. Yeah. 
You're absolutely that's right. That's it. Yeah. And, and, if the, it, number if, of, if and you, the number of if, guns, because that's the other thing. The average gun owner in America doesn't just own a gun to protect the family or the home or whatever. Yeah. They, they're collectors. They own – some of them own 20 or 30 guns. My dad, when I was growing up, he had like seven guns. Um, and they were all just bolt-action rifles or shotguns or handguns or whatever. He didn't own any semi-automatics or anything like that. But he liked guns. He liked on the weekends to take his guns apart and clean them and make sure whenever he shoots them the next time that they're going to shoot true and they're going to work the way they're supposed to. He kept his guns locked up. I don't have any problem with people like that who use guns for hunting or like to go to a range and take good care of their guns and keep them safe. That's totally fine. But – you know, to what Odin 5 said in the prior call, um, there's no rational reason for semi-automatic rifles to be on the street. There just isn't. Is it, uh, the, what it boils down to, and this is a, a, a bit of an oversimplification of what people will think is a, a very complex issue, um, and you mentioned it as well, is it does what what is the reason for you owning this right and um lots of people yeah yeah and lots of people will say i need it for protection protection from whom from what the british (laughs) i that we are not going to invade (laughs) no no it's china or north korea yeah or iraq um, yeah, there was a, a very interesting book that I read a few years ago um, about America called A Culture of Fear. And um, that's, that seems to be perpetuating itself. And it was um, written by a philosophy um, uh, lecturer. At, I can't remember what university it was. But everything around it was is we we need to protect ourselves from everything and everyone and even ourselves. And <laughs> before before I make an enemy of everyone, <laughs> I'll I'll shut up and back the hell off. All right, thanks for your call, man. Appreciate Love it. Love you. Have a good one. Yeah, I mean, again, this is a very sensitive topic. A lot of it depends on how you were raised and, uh, again, what Odin 5 said. You know, what was your family unit like? Were guns a part of that? Were they not a part of it? What extent were they a part of it? But relating directly to games, one thing I would say about playing really violent shooters or violent games in general is when I finish with them, I'm actually, like, exhausted. I'm not amped up and excited to go out and inflict harm on other people i'm tired because it, it is kind of exhausting when you when you're consuming uh, such intense media whether it's a, a movie or what another thing i found too lately is if i watch really violent movies with lots of gunfire i fall asleep watching them i'm not kidding i don't get a lot of time to watch movies and usually it's like late at night so i'm kind of tired anyway but what i found is a lot of times i will fall asleep uh the Second Matrix movie, I went out on a date to watch that movie, and I fell asleep like an hour and a half into it, because it was just just this din of gunfire and explosions, and after a while, I just kind of glazed over, it just exhausted me, and I fell asleep, and I know, it was a great date, but, uh, you know, I, I think also we should probably keep in mind that Media affects different people in different ways. So while that stuff may make me tired or exhaust me or wear me out playing a shooter for a long period of time or watching 
a really violent movie. There are other people who will take it the other way, but I feel like a lot of those people maybe have mental health issues. And uh, I feel like if we get better at diagnosing mental health issues and we do better a better job of reporting it and then sharing those reports across multiple organizations, I think that's how we start chipping away at this. And once we start chipping away at it, and it's not as such a prevalent problem in our society anymore, they'll stop looking at video games as the scapegoat and they'll stop playing the blame game uh, when it comes to video games. So again, there's no easy answer to this stuff. Um, is something that we're all going to have to work together on as as a society and as a nation. But we've got to work together on it. we got to come together on it. We can't create these camps where we're at each other's throats. We gotta, first, we've got to accept that video games aren't the problem. Everybody needs to understand that because that's, that's square one. Everyone has to accept that it's not games that's doing this. It's not the fault of video games that people are going up and, sh are going and shooting up a school. It's... There's a, it's a, an, an amalgamation of issues. And once people accept that, that has to be like the, the foundation, the building block, where we can all come together and we can start working together to make things better. So let's move on. Let's talk about the last topic of today's high score. I actually have two topics left, but we only have time for one because we're already getting up against it here. So which one do I want to pick? All right, so the one I'm going to pick is Smash Brothers characters that you would like to see. Um, the other topic that I had here was mobile gaming and core gamers, and that was spurred on by the fact that Fortnite was just announced for mobile, which is great, totally fine. The weird thing about it is, is that if you play Fortnite on mobile, you're actually tossed into the pot with everybody else on all the other consoles, and so you're playing on your little phone or your tablet with people who have controllers or a mouse and keyboard, uh, which doesn't seem quite fair or right. But I do like the idea that uh, Epic has decided to create a console or PC-worthy game and not really nerf it for the mobile space. And so what I wanted to talk about was what are some mobile games that you guys like? Because there's kind of this stigma around mobile gaming that is for casual folks i know a lot of you guys play mobile games i know you do um i play mobile games here and there but anyway the discussion was going to be around why is mobile games have this stigma among core players and two if any of you guys were willing to admit that you play mobile games and if so share some mobile games that uh that you like that maybe some of the other viewers might enjoy as well but we're going to cut that category and it's never going to have a fun category for the end because the last one was kind of heavy I want to bring it around and have some fun. So, obviously, as you guys know, this week, Super Smash Brothers was announced for the Switch. Still a lot of debate over whether it is a port of the Wii U game or whether it's a brand new game built from the ground up. I know Matt on Game Face yesterday said that he had seen that it was a brand new game. I went home last night and started looking around for that stuff. I could not find any confirmation that that were the case. So, to the best of my knowledge, it's still kind of up in the air. So... With that in mind, regardless of whether it's a new game or it's a port from the Wii U, let's start talking about some characters we want to see in this game. And I will start. I will grease the wheels. I will get it going for you guys. Um, my character, and I have a bunch of them here, just in case you guys don't call in, but I have a bunch of characters here. The one I want to talk about is Chibi-Robo. And the reason I want to bring this one up is because 
Chibi Robo is a Nintendo property, so there's not going to be any problems with uh, Nintendo trying to get the license for it, because that can be an issue a lot of times, uh, trying to get the license for these games. Um, the other thing I like about Chibi Robo is, one, I just like him as a character. He's a very agreeable, enjoyable character to interact with. But two, he's incredibly versatile. Um, he's essentially a robot that's a, a Swiss army knife. He can do a lot of different things. And the other thing I like about Chibi Robo, you can see in the footage here, is that there's this mechanic where he always has to power himself back up. So he eventually runs out of power. And I feel like that could be a gameplay mechanic in Smash Brothers that could add a lot of strategy to playing him. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, a lot of fighting games, even like Dragon Ball Fighters has a charge-up element where you have chi, and you it's a risk-reward system where you can stand there and build it up, but you're vulnerable while you're doing it. And I feel like that would be a good way to kind of incorporate that kind of mechanic into Super Smash Brothers. So, what say you? What video game characters would you like to see in the new Smash Brothers? Keeping in mind that Nintendo has been very, very good about getting characters from other publishers. Now, look. You're not going to be able to get any Sony first-party characters. You're not going to get Master Chief in Smash Brothers. So let's try to stay away from characters based on first-party uh, properties from those guys. But third-party, any but anyone is on the docket. Of course, there's been Pac-Man, there's been Sonic, there's been Snake, there's been Bayonetta. There's tons and tons of instances of characters from third-party publishers making their way to Smash Brothers. So... What character would you like to see in Super Smash Brothers for the Switch? Give us a call on Skype at Sifted Games, S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S. Let's hear it. I'm also curious if most people even know Chibi-Robo. So Chibi-Robo is a GameCube game, and you're seeing it being played right now um, on your screen. And it's about this little robot in a big world, essentially. And it's a, it's really kind of a puzzle platformer. Um, you kind of have to do certain things in a very particular order uh, to, to progress through the game. And then just recently, he had a 3DS game, which was not very good and did not review very well with critics. But at this point, when you're talking about Smash Brothers, it's hard to find Nintendo characters that haven't been utilized yet. So I feel like Chibi-Robo is a good example of a character that has a lot of personality, that has a lot of uh, versatility and potential functionality, and like I said, kind of has that charge-up mechanic. So get your calls in, folks. Um, can't get any calls. We're going to have to close down the show. But I figured with how hot Smash Brothers is over the last couple of days that you guys would want to discuss this. Um, obviously, Nintendo right now is trying to figure out what characters are going to be in the game. Here we go. Super Cordon Blue is going to bail us out because none of y'all other y'all will call in. What's up, Super Cordon Blue? Welcome back. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, man. What do you? What characters would you like to see in Smash Brothers? I think the character that probably deserves to be in there would be uh, one of the Belmonts. I mean, oh, most from people Castlevania. Know, yeah, because you know most people know that as a Nintendo franchise, even though it's not first party. But you know all the the originals, Super Castlevania. Um, and I think it'd be interesting using his whip. Maybe they could use it as, as you know, his recovery. I, I think there's a character who, when you're off of the ledge, uh, it may be Sheik. She can throw her little whip thing and grab onto the ledge and pull herself back. Or it may be Link's um, 
whatever you call these hookshot, but it'd be interesting to see a Belmont character use characteristics like that, you know, no, pulling I, characters I, towards uh, them. I think that is a freaking great idea. I mean, also, let's be honest, Konami isn't doing diddly squat with the Castlevania IP. No. It is just sitting not. there rotting away. <laughs> Konami, despite not having a great relationship with really Sony and Microsoft anymore, does have a good relationship with Nintendo. I mean, don't forget Super Bomberman R was yeah. a launch game for Switch. After a lot of people thought Konami would never release a traditional video game or a console video game ever again. So that relationship yeah. is there. Konami's not doing anything with it, so it'd be a good way, if you're, if you're Nintendo, it's easy to sell the idea to Konami, because you're just like, look, let's keep your IP alive, bro. Like, it's just going to lose yeah. relevancy. I mean, obviously, there's the Castlevania show on Netflix, which is kind of doing its part, which I think is yeah. coming back for another season pretty soon. Yeah, it is. But with, That was with, a good show. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it, too. It, I liked the first couple episodes. I thought it lost a little yeah. bit of steam over time, but I still enjoyed it overall. But... We're talking about keeping it relevant in the realm of video games, and right now, no one, no one's doing that. I mean, obviously, yeah. Iga is working on his own game, which bloodstained. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm still, it still looks a little <laughs> dicey to me. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it looks rough. Some, some of the footage I saw. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It looks, we'll see. We'll see yeah. if they can, if if Iga can get that game in shape. But it's not Castlevania. It doesn't have that IP, and it's never going to. No. And yeah. I'm honestly, now that you've brought this up, I'm really shocked that a Belmont isn't already in Smash Brothers. It's perfect. You're right. He's got yeah. the whip. The whip opens up so many mechanics for that franchise. Um, I would just love to of... see the stage. Imagine the stage yeah. for him, man. Holy cow. I wouldn't want to play any yeah. other stage. <laughs> and, and and it kind of completes the whole 80s uh, mascot thing. You know, Sonic and uh, Mario, Donkey Kong. What, what else is in there? Pac-Man. Uh, Mega Man, so you got to have a Belmont. Absolutely. And if Nintendo decides to do like uh, different skins, maybe you could have Trevor, Simon, uh, right. even Alucard as a special. So I, I think it'd be a good choice. Think about how well that Amiibo would sell. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> it would be another that'd one that would nice. sell out before Matt could buy one, and he'll throw another tantrum on Game Face. <laughs> good choice, man. Thank you for calling in. Great yeah. job. No, nah, no problem. All right, later. All right. So there you go. Castlevania, a Belmont. That's a great idea. I have a whole list of them here, people. Come on. You guys have to have some ideas on characters that you would want to have in Smash Brothers. I want to sit here and go through all the ones that I've created when you guys can call in and name them. But you're going to force me to. So this is going to end up just turning into Shane's list of characters that he would like to see in Smash Brothers. So give us a call. Sifted Games, S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S, on Skype. You can call in with your phone. I don't care if you're at Burger King. I don't care if you're on the toilet. I don't care if you're driving in a car. You can use your phone. You can use a tablet. You can use your PC. Krill Neko is calling back in. What's up, Krill? What do you? What characters do you want to see in Smash Brothers? Hey. Yeah, I'm a bit. Um, I'm gonna go to, uh, on a bit of a limb here and be slightly heretical for okay. those Nintendo fans there. Uh, recently, Game New World came in and said that they are very jealous of Nintendo because they actually, you know, ship a great console, and so they decided to ship a great game. I suppose I don't know, maybe Half Life <laughs> Three or something. That would be nice. But I, yeah. But one of the characters that I would like to see, and it's again heresy for people. How about Gordon Freeman in yeah, Super Smash? That would be freaking awesome. Like that would just sell yeah. an extra like two million copies all on its own. Just Gordon Freeman yep. being in the game. 
and, and they're well, not, it's not like Valve is doing anything well. with Gordon either. I mean, Valve right now is letting that yep. IP die, so why not? Well, the last time they did was pretty horrible, and I mean, Hound Down, uh, Hound Down the Freeman is a horrible, horrible game, so, you know, they kind of have to uplift their expectation, I should say, for that stuff. The other one, which is more of a Nintendo family, is uh, Pyra from... Um, uh, um, I'm blanking on name, sorry. Well, I'm blanking too. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with that character. I'd like to know uh, what, what character you're Pyra is oh, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Oh, yeah, I've That's, not played that. Yeah. Well, I neither, but the character looks great, plus a lot of personality. Plus, I mean, look, if you will uh, take any character from Xenoblade Chronicles that have cat ears and put it in Smash, oh, I want day one purchase <laughs> with the Switch, with limited edition, collector's edition, whatever. <laughs> but, but I think you actually bring up a pretty good point, and that is that Nintendo's kind of running out of characters for Smash Brothers. And that's a testament exactly. to how what a great job Nintendo's done with getting all its characters into the game. But when you're starting to talk about characters from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 for Smash Brothers, that's when I feel like Nintendo's maybe reached the end of the well a little bit. I mean... It's really hard to think of any Nintendo characters, and if you think about how long Nintendo's been making games, it's hard, it's hard to find any characters through all those years that have not been a part of Smash Brothers at this point, either as an actual playable character or one of those characters who just kind of come down and, and just attack really quickly and then leave the scene. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's getting tough for Nintendo, and that's why I think Nintendo is going to have to start looking even more outwardly for uh, new characters that are going to work in this franchise. Well, I mean, they relied for, like, what, four or five franchises, like this, like, 30 years or 40 years. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other only problem now too, they started to make... Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's yeah, the other problem, too, is that Nintendo isn't putting out a lot of new franchises these days. So it's not creating new characters that it can incorporate into Smash. Well, yeah, last time they did was, again, Shining Blade Chronicles, The Last Story, maybe, although that's not necessarily developed in-house, it's uh, Mystic Games, uh, right. Mistwalker Games. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was Splatoon 1 and 2, but that's about they're already it. Announced. They, don't mean, have... they already announced the Inklings are coming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly, which I... would be great, awesome. I... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, it's like, now Nintendo's to the point where, okay, well... Now we're going to put Breath of the Wild Link in there. <laughs> Even though we already have like a couple versions of Link, now Mario with Cappy is going to be a new character. So Nintendo does continue to kind of mutate or evolve its existing character roster, and it does tend to get them in, but I think it would be nice to get some fresh blood in there. Well, it's nothing new. If you look at Blaze Blue characters or Guilty Gear, no, right. they have the same characters but just different iteration of that. You're the right. other one is maybe Crazy Rabbits. They just did a game with them, like a, a strategy game. That's a good point. The so, Rabbits from Ubisoft. I'm sure Ubi would be totally fine with getting those characters into Smash, without a doubt. And it does. Oh, make, they love it. And it does make sense yeah. now too, because obviously there's been this game that Nintendo published that Ubisoft developed that did really well and. There's all kinds of cachet around the rabbits right now. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah, just uh, please, Ubisoft, if you're listening to that, please do not put Alto Year there. You're already done with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
No, so. I don't know. I mean, after Bayonetta was in Smash, I used to think characters like that didn't make sense in Smash Brothers, but I thought Bayonetta fit in perfectly. It was a great addition. So I honestly yep. wouldn't be that against seeing maybe Altair or someone from Assassin's Creed making it to Smash. I would be. I think I might be okay with that. Yeah, maybe even Crash or something. Uh, All I don't right. think they oh, good, good job. Crash you brought up someone so. who's on my list because I was gonna before you called. Yep. I was gonna talk about this, but Crash. <laughs> Frickin' Bandicoot. He is perfect for Smash Brothers. I mean, look, that, that game is coming out on Switch. Um, how perfect would it be is like a whole marketing thing where, hey, here's Crash and Saint Trilogy on Switch, and here he is in Smash Brothers. And how perfect would it be to finally, once and for all, settle the eternal debate of who would win in a fight mario or crash they've been going <laughs> seriously they've been going after each other yep. for like 20 exactly. some years who doesn't want to play smash brothers with mario fighting against crash bandicoot like it would be awesome too if nintendo had a ton of fun with it and maybe brought back some voice samples from the old commercials where they went after each other and just really kind of embraced how this used to be a huge rivalry um I, this was a no-brainer I, I thought the first call was going to be somebody saying Crash Bandicoot. So, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. I have a couple more here that I'm hoping other people will call in and bring up. But, yeah, Crash Bandicoot, no-brainer. He has to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, although, to be fair, I don't think Nintendo smart enough to do so. So, I, I apologize, know. but... Mega Man, <laughs> you know, I mean, look, Mega Man enough, and Pac-Man, there's, there's been tons of third-party characters in there. So, it's well, totally possible. That's, that's true, yeah, yeah. And Crash yeah, isn't a well, PlayStation brand anymore. He is universal. He is Activision, I believe. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't mean, like, Universal owns him. I mean, Universal yeah, as yeah, in, yeah. He, he goes across <laughs> all platforms now. So, yeah. Yep. I think it would and work. I think it, I think it would idea. be absolutely great. So, thanks for calling in, man. Great suggestions. You're welcome. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. We got one more call. Here's somebody else calling in. Who has an idea for a Smash Brothers character? What's your uh, idea? Yeah. Welcome to THS. Yep. Called in earlier, but I was thinking, okay, if we're gonna go another Ubisoft uh, route, why not go Jade from Beyond Good and Evil? Yeah, I love that idea. I think that's great. I think she also fits in very well um, with the other Nintendo properties. I mean, to me, Beyond Good and Evil feels like it should have been a Nintendo property in the first place. Hmm. Yep, that or you could go more of a joke character, but ha let people play a miniature version of Master Hand. <laughs> I don't think they'll ever let somebody play as Master Hand, though, because it's the boss. And like, and I, I get it. Most fighting games will let you ultimately play as the final boss. But to me, if Nintendo hasn't done it already, I just don't see that happening. I mean, yeah. Master Hand is going to be the boss again. And also, I don't know that he would be a very functional character as far as being able to play. Like, his attacks are very simple. I think it'd be boring to play as Master Hand. That's why I said it was more of a, more of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Jade well, would again, fit in great. Again, like, Smash has most of the characters you would really actually want. Yeah, I mean, we talked it, about diminishing returns like earlier, this and this is a good example of it. Yeah. Mm. 
But Jade, I mean, Jade's a photographer, so you could work that into the game somehow. She could take photos, and maybe it freezes the other character, and it gives you a chance to jump in and attack. Um, she's also pretty adept at melee combat. I believe she she's a staff, right? Isn't that her weapon of choice? Yeah. Um, and then she could even maybe call in some of her old allies, like Paige could come in and do like a team-up <laughs> attack or something like that. I mean, you know, with uh, Olimar, Olimar has like the, the Pikmin that come along with him in Smash Brothers. So yep. maybe it could be some kind of a similar clone for uh, for Jade. I love that idea. Hmm. I, mean, if you, I mean, if you really want, like again, you could go, I mean, there is a rabbit hole there. You could sort of start going down. Honestly, I mean, you even had Game & Watch already, so you've got yeah. a pretty deep rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. Like, Ice that's climbers, the, like, I mean, I all of it. Like, I can't, like, that's the thing, is like, okay, yeah, I can think of some, like, Microsoft stuff, that exclusive stuff that you'd never get, like, Master Chief, but, like, I can't really think of much beyond that. Or maybe you could go, uh, wow, uh, Leon from RE4, slash yeah. RE2. Yeah, that's not bad, because has Leon been in Marvel vs. Capcom? I don't think he has. There's been Re Resident Evil characters, obviously, in that series, but I don't think he's ever he's ever specifically been in it. And he also kind of is associated with Nintendo, because the game where he was really the star, Resident Evil 4, was a GameCube exclusive for quite a while. So I think that would make perfect sense and be great, too. Yep. Good suggestions. Thanks, man. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right. All right, people, we'll give a chance for one last call. If anybody out there has one more suggestion for a new character in Smash Brothers, we will take the call. And uh, while I wait for that call, I will just share with you a couple of other characters that I had on my list. And I hope this doesn't spoil uh, anyone who was thinking about calling in. But to me, the, one of the other most obvious ones, other than Crash, was Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight, to me, he's already been whored out all over video games. He's made cameos all over the place. Um, he was even in Ukulele, of all games. Um, so I think Shovel Knight would make a great character. And uh, obviously Nintendo and uh, the, the studio behind Shovel Knight have a great relationship. Uh, we saw that with some of the Nindy stuff around PAX. Uh, so I think Shovel Knight would be a great character. Uh, how about... Freddy from Five Nights at Freddy's. I mean, if you really want to reach a new audience with Smash Brothers, I think that's a pretty good choice. Um, he is basically just a homicidal teddy bear. Uh, and so maybe that doesn't fit into the tone so well uh, of what Nintendo tries to do with its games, but it would certainly provide a nice juxtaposition to all the cartoonish, uh, kind of shiny, happy characters that are already in Smash Brothers. Um, and he could just, his, his, his super attack could just be a jump scare. He just pops out from the side of the screen and just like screams or whatever. But you talk about like all the YouTubers and the streamers that are all over Five Nights at Freddy's. If they knew he was in Smash Brothers, I guarantee you they would all pick up the game and then they would stream the game. It would definitely help Nintendo out in a ton of ways. And then my final recommendation, and again, this is your last chance to call in with a character you'd like to see in Smash. My final recommendation would be Clementine from The Walking Dead. So, yeah, that would be my final suggestion for Smash Brothers. Everybody loves Clementine. 
and for good reason. She's one of, in my opinion, one of the best characters in video games over the last decade or so. Um, the writers of that game did a good job of making people care about that character. And in all honesty, she's a little badass. And I think she would fit in there really well. And I'm sure Telltale wouldn't mind getting a little play out of one of his better characters in the first place. So that's it. That is today's high score, episode three, right here on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I want to thank all you guys for calling in today. Another great day of calls. Um, I, I like that we're starting to get regulars who call in, and we know we can rely on for great commentary and great calls. You guys did a great job again today, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your Saturday afternoon to uh, be a part of the show. So just a couple of reminders before we go. Um, you can support us at patreon.com slash sifted. If you're listening to this on iTunes or you're watching the archive free on YouTube, we can use every dollar would be a huge help to sifted We're trying to keep the lights on here and keep this thing going. Um, also it's very easy. If you guys are jumped on the stream a little late today, um, it's very easy for you guys to give us $2.50 just by linking your Amazon prime and your Twitch accounts and then subscribing to sifted with that little green button. That's just up to the top right of the player. Just click it. If you've already linked your accounts and you give us $2.50, it can make a huge difference to our business. So that's it. Thanks, everybody. Another great episode of Today's High Score. We'll see you next Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific.